only fans that went home. <laughs> Thank you. We done it. This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. In this episode, a retired Joburg hedgie who inspired the imps. A little right of centre in the middle of England lies Lincoln, home to 94,600 souls, a 700-year-old cathedral and a 135-year-old football club. This team, Lincoln City, gets its nickname from the imp a famous gargoyle in the cathedral which overlooks the club's Sinsel Bank Stadium, where, since 1895, it has given the locals lots to talk about. Another historic connection is to World War II Dam Busters, the Royal Air Force's famous 617 Squadron, which was based at Scampton. It's just six miles away. A slice of the Sinsel Bank grandstand is even called 617 Squadron, and it's where the staunchest of Lincoln City supporters gather to watch their beloved Red and White Army. History oozes from this place, and on Saturday I made the three-hour drive from London to witness another chapter being written. The nervous imps, despite the loud urgings of their managers, brothers Danny and Nicky Cowley, only managed to draw with Cheltenham Town. But other results went their way, and with four games still left, they have now secured their second promotion in three years, upgrading into a league where Lincoln City last competed more than three decades ago. Before we get into the story of English soccer's latest fairy tale, one with a very strong South African connection, here's some more background. In 1987, when it finished bottom of the old Division 4, Lincoln City became the very first club to be automatically relegated out of England's professional football leagues. After bouncing back the very next season, in 2011 the Imps were relegated once more. This time the demotion looked to be permanent and after half a dozen long seasons in the bottom half of this tier, there seemed little hope of a rebound, especially when long-suffering funders started muttering about the hundreds of thousands of pounds that was owed. Enter Clive Nates, a recently retired hedge fund manager from Johannesburg with an obsession for football. Clive, who is now the club's chairman, got some Saffir pals involved, and between them they cleared the debts and provided the cash to recruit the inspirational Cowleys. The result has been beyond the wildest dreams of everyone associated with this historic institution. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Before the kickoff, I sat down with Nates and fellow Joburg-based Lincoln City director Ashley Mendelovitz in a quietish room and started by asking Clive about well, the town. Lincoln is a city I hadn't even visited before I got interested in Lincoln City and thought of the idea in investing in the club and only got over for the first time to see the city and the club in February, sorry, March 2015 um, and really surprised at uh, choosing a club in such a beautiful city. How big is Lincoln? How, what's the population? Um, the population is around about 90,000 um, but then there's no real major cities for quite some distance. So it does mean that the people that live in Lincoln, around Lincoln, 
you know, if they're interested in football, then they're likely to be Lincoln City fans. It's got a football club that's been around for more than 100 years. Yes, 135 years uh, this year, formed in 1884. So a long history um, and uh, a proud history. Might not have won a hell of a lot of titles, but it's a club that's you know been around as you know as we've said for more than 100 years, and you know has a fanatical support base and means a hell of a lot to the people of the city and the, and the county. Now it's a sizable stadium. How many people do you do you pack into this ground every week? Well, the capacity is around about 10,000, and our average uh, in the league this season is just under 9,000. We're looking at sellouts uh, for this game and the last two games of the season, and that will probably push us just above 9,000 average for the for the season. Lincoln City, uh, people who followed English football over many years will have heard of it at least. How did you get involved? Since a kid, obviously being interested in football, I chose an English football team to support. And uh, the team I chose to support was Everton. My hero as a kid was Alan Ball, who was the youngest member of England's 1966 World Cup winning team. Everton's a long jump to Lincoln City. Okay, so in 2002, Everton formed an alliance with Lincoln City. And as a result of that alliance, I started to follow the club. A couple of other clubs for various obscure reasons that I followed other than Everton, even though Everton was obviously the team that I followed the most. And uh, for whatever reasons, uh, Lincoln City was the team that uh, stuck with me even though not much came out of the alliance between Everton and Lincoln City. That's again a big jump from following a club to being the chairman. Well, I retired from hedge fund management in 2011. I spent three years trading offshore equity markets. And after three years of doing that, I thought it was time to either go back into hedge fund management or tick off the number one item on my bucket list which was getting involved with an English football club. Now, you, pl- you tapped on your old pals from Peregrine. Right next to you is Ashley Mendelowitz, who, who is, a, is a data specialist and a tech specialist, and I'm sure he's, he's had some input into Lincoln City. Of course, Sean Melnick, who used right. to be, uh, who was the founder of Peregrine, a, a very successful company in, this, in South Africa, which perhaps is not that well known here in the UK. And then I see you've also uh, got Greg Levine involved, Right. Uh, who's, who's another well-known businessman from South Africa. So how does that South African or the SAFA connection come into uh, Middle England? Well, I got hold of the club in early 2015. They put out an announcement that uh, their bankers were looking at uh, withdrawing their overdraft and loan facilities. I'd only planned to get in touch with them and come and visit Lincoln for the first time in May of that year, but I thought I better get in touch sooner because of the potential problems that they had. There certainly were some issues that they would have had to look at sorting out to try and fill the gap of the 380000 in loans that they had to the bank at that point. But Clive, at this stage, although it's a proud, uh, proud history, the club had really fallen in hard times. They weren't even playing in the football league anymore. Yes, they you know, got uh, relegated uh, five years before that. No, sorry, that's, it was about four years before that, that that they had been relegated. And 
Yes, they'd finished in the bottom half of the table every season in National League. Times were a bit tough, without a doubt, for the for the club. When you say a bucket list, did you always want to have some kind of a relationship with an English football club on an ownership level? Well, I never thought of it until probably sometime in 2014 that ownership was actually a way to get involved. I'd always wanted somehow to have a connection in football. Yeah, those first thoughts came in the second half of 2014. Got in touch with the club in early 2015 and had arranged to visit the city and the club for the first time in March 2015. About a month before I came over, uh, I had a chance meeting with Ashley, told him about this uh, ridiculous venture that I was potentially looking at. And Ashley is also a football fan. He knew a Cape Tonian who he played football with when he was a lot younger, who had got involved in Swansea City when they were a fourth-tier club and was with them right up to you know, the Premiership. And Ashley said to me, well, if I actually go ahead and get involved, he'd like to you know, join in as well. Ashley, who was that Cape Tonian? It's a guy called Brian Katz and Alec. Um, uh, yeah, South African, Cape Townian. Uh, we we played soccer in Cape Town for a, for a few years together, and uh, you know one day I opened the newspaper and saw that he was involved at, at Swansea and started following that story. And um, you know they had a hell of a journey. I'm not sure that he got involved for for returns. I think it was also you know passion investment, but it, it worked out incredibly well for him. And uh, and you know when when Clive spoke to me about Lincoln. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought would actually be great is to be able to meet with Brian and, and kind of hear the learnings, hear their journey. Uh, and, and we ended up doing that, you know, a little bit later on in the year. Is he still involved with Swansea? He's, he's, uh, he's sold. So his consortium uh, exited uh, actually at a very good time. So they, they, got, they got a um, really good return. You know, it was over 10 plus years. Um, but, uh, but that... You know that afternoon we spent in Cape Town with him was really valuable. You know he, he gave us some some really good insights on uh, what to do, what not to do, um, and uh, if anything, it kind of increased our excitement about uh, about getting involved. Clive, was there any thought of uh, asking Brian to come and perhaps join your journey, or or was it were you too small beer, or was Lincoln too small beer at that stage? Um, I would never have gone in and said straight off, you know, come and join us in this. But I think there was a feeling that uh, he had had enough of football. Although it was an incredible run that he had with Swansea City, ended up making uh, quite a bit of money out of it. The exit from, from Swansea City wasn't that happy. And some of the fans turned against the consortium, so... I think he had had enough of football in any event. Even though it had been a, a long run, is that something that worries you, that you've had an incredible run already, and we'll get into that in a minute, but that fans are fickle? Yes, I suppose they can be. I think we all are. Uh, it's the way of life. You know, you can't really worry about that. I mean, you've got to obviously plan for the future, but, uh, you know, and, and continue to do your best. But if something happens that things turn down a bit, uh, so be it. It's not going to stop me enjoying the ride and doing the best I can at this point. So tell us about this ride. Well, it's been an extraordinary ride. Uh, 
the turning point was our ability uh, to get Danny and Nikki Carly to join us. There is no other management team that could have done what they have done for the club. So where did you find Danny and Nikki? Our previous manager, Chris Moises, uh, decided to step down uh, from the job in April 2016. So it was a just just after you had arrived. That's right. I, I became a director on the, in February 2016. So he decided to step down in April. That was announced a couple of games before the end of the season. So we started the process of looking for a new manager. And funnily enough, I had noticed probably about six months before an article about Southampton and the way that they went uh, about scouting for a new manager before they actually needed a new manager. So they would be already out there looking for the right person for that club. And I thought, wow, what a brilliant idea. And I just started to have a look around at managers in that division and below and see, you know, which managers potentially, you know, would be a good idea for, for this club. And the only ones that actually stuck out were Danny and Nicky Cowley. They had done, you know, credibly with a smaller club uh, in Essex, uh, Concord Rangers, uh, three promotions with them, a couple of cups that, uh, that they won. And had then done very well with Braintree Town, which was a part-time club in the National League, one of the lowest budgets in the league. And they had got that team up into third place and actually got into the playoffs of the National League while we were a team, a much bigger team potentially, and we finished on the bottom half of the table. And just from all the articles that I read about them, you know how meticulous they were, how hard-working they were, but it didn't look like it was actually feasible at all. They were uh, only part-time in football management. They had full-time jobs in teaching. They lived in Essex, which is two hours away from Lincoln. So you know, we just tossed that idea away. Uh, but uh, Danny applied for the job. Uh, still remember the night when I was told by. The then chairman that you know Danny had expressed an interest, and they were clearly um, the best candidates uh, for the job. What did they do differently? Oh, just everything about them, the, the ambition that they have, just how hard working they are, you know the planning that goes into everything. Um, have you sat in on on team meetings uh, this famous Monday? post-mortem we win or lose I think I read somewhere if you won 5-0 or lost 5-0 it's still the same thing you sit down and meticulously go through the game or he did yes no that's what they do with the team and also the planning um, the video analysis that goes in ahead of a game and yes it's, a, it's incredible to sit there and, and watch the, just how in depth they go into the analysis of what has happened previously and the information that they give to the team ahead of a, a game. So what's happened since to the team's performance since you got involved? Well, we finished the end of that first season in 13th place in National League. Danny and Nicky then came in for the 2016-17 season. We, we won the National League. Uh, 
Did they have any new players, any extra ammo to use? Yes, uh, they did bring in a couple of players, uh, or a number of players. A few came in from their previous team, Braintree Town, so it was players that they already knew. And yes, there were, there were changes to the team, and they brought in some very good players. And uh, yeah, we won the league title with 99 points, uh, but maybe the most exciting part of that season was the incredible FA Cup run that we had. We knocked out... Uh, Best in 103 years for a non-league side. That's right, and you know, if you go back all those years, the non-league then was nothing like the non-league it is now. I think there were only two divisions at that point, so you could be essentially in the third tier of English football and you were a non-league team. Yeah, we were in the fifth tier of English football, knocked out League One Oldham Athletic in the third round. We then knocked out Championship Ipswich Town, followed by Brighton and Hove Albion, who were top of the championship. And then we beat uh, Premier League Burnley with a late goal to win that game 1-0 and got through to the quarterfinals and uh, went to the Emirates in front of 60,000 people and played Arsenal. And that put Lincoln City on the map for people all over the world because suddenly you had this non-league side with a brand new manager, new, new ownership structures perhaps. So tell us about the economics. You, you arrive here, they were talking to their bankers. Did you have to put a lot of money on the table to get, in, uh, to get a board seat? Well, when I first sent the email off to the then chairman, Bob Dorian, um, I indicated that I was prepared to put in a certain amount every year over a five-year period. I didn't want to put everything in at once, you know, sort of put it on black or red and comes off or it doesn't come off. And it was also, you know, to take it slowly, see if I liked this idea of getting involved with the club, whether I could get on with the people that were involved with the club. So, you know, it was always going to be a staged investment into the club. And obviously with uh, Ashley and... Sean Melnick uh, joining in as well. There was a bit more money than I'd originally targeted. And yes, essentially, uh, that first investment uh, early in 2016 went to pay off the losses that were made in, in that season. Um, an agreement was eventually reached with the bankers so that we didn't have to repay that full amount at that point, and we would look to repay that over a period of time. As it turned out that with the FA Cup run and the amount of money that we made from the FA Cup run, we no longer had any loans with the bank. So that relationship, you know, has now ended. And you say money made from the FA Cup. How does that work? Well, there was through the attendances uh, in the competition, both home and away, the clubs uh, share the attendance money from those matches. There was also prize money from the Burnley game. We, we got almost £250,000 from that alone. And then really the big kicker was going to the Emirates and sharing in the gate for 60,000 people. And, you know, that helped us have cash in the bank and it helped us fund a new training ground that we have built. And for the first time, in the current season, the team is using a, a new training ground. Surely then Danny and Nicky Cowley would be hot property 
elsewhere. I'm just trying to look at it from a from an investor's point of view. Here come these new guys. They've they've rejuvenated the the team. They've made a fantastic return on investment in year one. Has it been difficult to to retain their services? Well, since we first brought them in in 2016, we have twice renewed their contracts. So they now have a contract until June 2022. Uh, there's no doubt that there have been approaches for them. Uh, and hopefully today, you know, there's the potential to secure the third title in three seasons. So that obviously does make them hot property. But we've done our best to, to keep them, done our best to meet their ambitions as well as our own ambitions. And, uh, you know, I think a big change as well was their decision to bring their families up to Lincoln. So at the start of this season, their families moved up from Essex. Their kids are in a local school, a fantastic school that they're at. And, you know, we're doing the best we can to keep them. We know at some point a, a bigger club will probably get them to move on to achieve their long-term ambitions. I spoke to the chairman of Bournemouth a couple of years ago, and that was the big question. Eddie Howe, their manager, who, who's helped them to transform that club, has stuck with them, even though they're now a Premier League team and middle of the, of the table. Have you learned anything from the way they've approached that, that uh, which is a significant challenge? Yes, I've had a chance to speak to Jeff Marston. He's very friendly with uh, Greg Levine, who connected us. It's interesting, though, that Eddie Howe did leave Bournemouth for a period when they were in League One. He went off to manage Burnley for a while. It actually didn't turn out very well, and he came back to Bournemouth. I think the parallel... You've got to be careful about the parallels you can draw between Lincoln City and Bournemouth. Sure, Eddie Howe has done fantastically, and he did very well to get them initially... Uh, from League 2 into League 1 but in League 1 they actually managed to find a Russian billionaire to invest in the club uh, we haven't done that yet or found even a South African billionaire yet. to do that <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately none of us worked hard enough to become billionaires yeah but you've got a South African connection and you've got a whole nation if they know that this is a you know, a bunch of, of, of Joburg guys who've actually got involved in Lincoln City, um, perhaps you, you'll have a whole nation supporting you. Is, is there any way you can leverage that? Well, I haven't thought about in particular leveraging that, but obviously there's a lot of people now in South Africa that have heard about the club, friends and relatives and colleagues. So, yeah, I think we've got a, you know, a growing South African base of uh, football fans that are supporting or at least keeping an eye on Lincoln City and uh, yes through connections of uh, Ashley and Sean we've actually have brought in some additional investors into the club. You mentioned earlier ambition what is the ambition? At this stage it's very much just to keep doing the best we can you know season by season uh, seeing how we can keep improving the club and that I think is something that we've done over the last three years and if all goes well today 
you know, we'll be on our way to, to League One next season. And that, again, is a, a new challenge. Obviously, you've got some very big teams in that league currently this season. You've got teams like Sunderland and Portsmouth and Charlton Athletic, you know, teams that people can remember were in the top flight of English football. So it is going to be more difficult um, and maybe similar to what we did when we came up from National League to League Two. We'll be looking to try and finish in the top half of the table and maybe give us ourselves an outside chance of reaching the playoffs. But again, you know, we've got to keep our feet on the ground. Uh, success doesn't come in a straight line, although the way Danny and Nicky have achieved things over the last three years, it looks very much like that. But, uh, you know, we've got to remain grounded um, and uh, do our best, try to find the finances to you know, provide Danny and Nicky with a competitive budget next season. How did you become chairman? Um, at the end of last season, the then chairman Bob Dorian decided to stand down. Uh, the rest of the, uh, the rest of the board decided that uh, I should have the short straw and become the chairman. And was that also on the bucket list? No, it definitely wasn't. In fact. When I first decided to get involved in the club, I didn't have any aspirations to get involved in the management of the club. I just wanted to have a connection. I just loved football, and I just wanted to be close to a team. And you know, and it was the directors, the chairman at the time, that got me more involved in the club. And the way I am, you're either in or you're out. So if you're going to get involved. I'll put everything into it now. What is that? What is when you say everything? Define it. Well, in a way, it's become a full-time job. Uh, even though I only spend up to three months a year in the UK with communication, as it is this day, as it is today, we communicate through Skype, through WhatsApp, telephone calls. Um, there's just constant communication at the moment between in particular our CEO and the other directors that are part of our executive committee. And uh, it, yeah, it takes up a lot of time. We're talking to a number of potential investors at the moment. There certainly is interest. The ability to attract further investment will determine how far we can take the club. How do they see your contribution here? Well, I suppose uh, to some extent uh, it's been on the financial side, looking at the numbers. Um, it's, it's been part of that executive committee which meets on a monthly basis but is in continually in contact, you know, supporting the CEO. If there's any decision that needs to be made that he believes needs to be referred to us, it's discussing that, coming to a conclusion as, as to what we should do. And there are just so many moving parts to a football club. There are times when I thought hedge fund management uh, was difficult. This seems to have taken it to another level. And the community here in Lincoln? Oh, the community has been brilliant. The welcome that I've had, the hospitality, um, and obviously, you know, with how we have done over the last three years, the fans in general are, are very, very grateful for 
what the club has achieved. Following a winning team, what was it like three years ago when you came to the stadium? Well, it was a lot quieter. Uh, the first game I attended, there were probably around about 2,000 uh, in attendance that day. We actually lost 2-0 at home to a team that was in the relegation area, so it wasn't a great start. But then again, I didn't come with uh, any expectations. It was just to be involved. Hard times, you have them, whether it's in hedge fund management or any part of life. So you just come through it and you enjoy the good days that we now have. The game is over. It was a draw, but your team is has been promoted. So that's a little bit of a mathematical, uh, you know, actuarial uh, formula, but, but basically we are now mathematically promoted. So unbelievable. It's done. Uh, incredible atmosphere, incredible story, and uh, yeah, just so excited. So where's your friend Clive? He seems to have been swallowed up in the celebrations. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's popular. He's a bit of a rock star now, unusual for a hedge fund manager. But, uh, no, wonderful guy and, and um, you know, as I've said before, I think, I think his contribution is, is understated. It's, uh, it's way more than just the investment that he's made and it's just an unbelievable story. I think his, uh, his professionalism, his, his humility, he engages with, with the fans, he engages with anybody on, a, on an equal foot. Um, and it's infectious and I think you can see it just throughout. It's extraordinary to see a chairman being stopped by fans for autographs. Have you ever? I've never seen that before. And, uh, and, and, and the crazy part is he's not really that sort of guy. So it makes it even more unusual. You know, he's actually quite a, quite a sort of private reserve guy most of the time. So, but he's embraced it and, um, and they love him. You know, it's, uh, it's a great story. No, I never even looked at uh, those permutations. I was just focused on we had a win, and if we didn't win, I actually didn't look at uh, whether we could actually do it that way. The energy in this place. Oh, it's been incredible. You know, as you could see, the 617 leading it. And, uh, you know, it's just a brilliant place to play, I would imagine, and it's just a brilliant place to come and watch a game. Uh, in League One next season. So what happens next? They're <laughs> celebrating tonight. Yes, tonight we'll celebrate. Tomorrow we'll start worrying about uh, next season. No, there'll be a whole lot of meetings next week, putting things in place for, for next season, seeing what we can do. This has been the Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.